0: You're tired of spending money on trail cameras you use as tools only to find out they're built like freaking toys, or you've struggled with unreliable, not so dependable cameras or experienced customer service that flat out disappointed you, I've been there. Those problems literally birthed Exodus eight years ago when they shipped their first camera. Exodus had a clear desire to not only build elite products that enabled you to set it and forget it all season long, but also to back them like no other company was willing to with an unmatched level of customer service and support. See for yourself why Exodus has over 15,000 satisfied customers. They've quickly become known for their five-year no BS warranty, quality cameras, and best-in-class customer service. You heard that right. Exodus believes in their products so much, every single camera is backed by a five-year warranty that includes theft and accidental damage coverage. Each camera is checked for quality control standards before it leaves the warehouse they wouldn't use it, you don't get it. Exodus is so confident. You'll love your new Exodus camera. They're offering you, the listener of this show, 15% off your next order today. Just use code BTE. If you don't love it, get your money refunded in the first 30 days and just send her back. Exodus really has two excellent cell cam options for uh, all budgets and They start at just $179, plus you're 15% off there. You use the code BTE. They have competitive data plans that allows you to purchase a a plan and use the data as you see fit. They want you to be in control. There's no annual commitment and no limit on how many cameras you can run on one plan. You can share cameras with friends and no charge, which makes the X's lineup a great option for hunting clubs and leases. There are no additional fees for HD photo requests, that's pretty nice. No additional fees for video uploads, and all cameras share data on a single data plan for easy management. See for yourself why so many have made the switch to Exodus and experienced the Exodus difference. Use code BTE to get 15% off your next order today. Now, let's talk about Osseo Gear. It's a great option for whitetail hunters. They develop a premium line of bowhunting gear that will rival any other clothing on the market in quality. Plus, you got a lifetime warranty on anything you buy from Osio, which is pretty nice. They have a super unique camo pattern and great technology in their garments to keep you comfortable in the stand. So visit ASIOgear.com to get you some premium hunting clothing. Also, I want to talk about hunting beast gear makers of the beast stand and beast sticks in my opinion the best option for a mobile hunter that's looking to pound the public land or just hop around on your private land i don't hardly worry about permanent stands anymore on the uh, few pieces of private i do have i just use that beast stand and sticks and i got so good with putting it up uh, taking it up and down i really feel comfortable using it in any scenario whatsoever if you have it had the experience of getting your hands on a beast stand and trying it out for yourself go to beastgear.com get your pre-order in for the stand order you some sticks and become more deadly this year season speaking of deadly gotta talk to you about stealth outdoors makers of stealth strips which is a great addition to any beast stand that you're gonna buy the beast sticks it's, an addition. it's a great addition for all kinds of stuff. I just put some on my bow the other day. Stealth Strips really are a, a product that any hunter, whether you're a weekend warrior or a guy that hunts almost every day, really needs to take advantage of. Stuff absolutely deadens your, your gear uh, to make it essentially uh, noise-free. If you haven't checked out Stealth Strips yet, stop buying all the other crappy alternatives like the hockey tape and any other stuff you're trying to use to silence your gear, get the good stuff. Get Stealth Strips. Visit StealthOutdoors.com pick you up some Stealth Strips. All my partners are linked in the description below. Go check them out. Hey, everybody. Howdy welcome, to, welcome to the show. You can see uh, Dan has changed his look a lot. He's yeah. Younger, taller. Stud muffin over here. <laughs> uh nope. We are uh joined by Mr. Rendell Eric. Uh, me and Rendell become pretty good friends over the last year, and he's a giant killer. And uh you've been on with Joe once and you deserved your own your own show, I thought. So I wanted to get you on here. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. If you guys don't know Rendell, uh I guess you officially work for Osseo Gear. They kind of announced that on social media the other day. yeah, they so did. what exactly do you do for Rendell?
1: I'm a a man like a show manager Expo manager or whatever. yeah, but I do a bunch of different like just help them wherever he needs
0: right right you you do a lot of like help product development and help yeah. everything. I guess whenever whenever you're a small company, like most people in the outdoor industry are if you have an employee, you're a do it all type, type person. yeah pretty much you just gotta be flexible yep that's cool so this is your this is like kind of your first year as a um deer hunter in the outdoor industry
1: yeah man for sure going full-time it'll be interesting to see what i kill or don't kill
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah it's a it's it's oddly busy like like i've been getting kind of asked to do some other podcasts and stuff during deer season and you're just like uh man yeah, yeah, man. Like, what times that start? <laughs> people blowing my phone up every day. I'm like, I'm in the woods right now. You're just gonna yeah. have to chill, bro. <laughs> it's kind of a two edged sword though, because like you gotta, you know, you want to do those things for people, and it helps you too, and um, and people are interested in deer hunting content during deer season, yeah. but it takes like, you know, it takes time to produce all that stuff, and you want to be deer hunting, so it's like,
1: eh. yeah, it's a balancing yeah. act for sure. It's a, it'll be a. You know, different feel of my first year doing it. But I think after you get used to it, you'll get a little system down and can streamline right. it. Right.
0: Yep. For sure. Um, Rendell, you've now killed five booners. Yeah. In your life. And the four of them are up there behind you.
1: Yeah. And pretty crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then the the uh fifth one is in the taxidermy shop you said before we started. So yeah. And those are all public land deer, huh? Yeah. Are they all from Iowa too?
1: Yeah, they're all Iowa bucks.
0: Yeah, Um, it's that's even if it's in you know obviously Iowa is known for the best deer hunt state in the country, but like it's it's pretty uh, it's crazy to kill five of them on public land anywhere.
1: Yeah, honestly, man, lucky man. I don't even know sometimes how I do it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I think I think me and you are a lot alike. Is like there's some guys uh, like Jacob uh, cleaner and, uh, they're very analytical and they like, well, we were talking about Garrett Prawl is very like this too. Like he has to figure out why everything does is the way it is. And, and Jacob's exact same way. Yeah. And me and you are just like, ah, that's just how it works. So that's what I do. Like, yeah. I don't think too much yeah. about it other than that.
1: Yeah. I hunt way more off of instinct and like gut feelings. And, uh, and as I get further along in my hunting career, like I even, I rely on it way more because when I don't, it usually bites me in the butt. So
0: yeah,
1: I'm learning quick, but uh, yeah, definitely blessed man. Like, and I'm a, I am i was not raised hunting either. I was a, I'm a, I'm a late to the game kind of hunter in my early twenties. I kind of got into it self-taught. So it's kind of crazy. The amount of deer that I've killed the size of them and stuff, but I think it's helped me out because I got, I think way outside of the box, I'm not stuck in like a trad- traditional role of deer hunting. Like yeah. I do all kinds of crazy stuff when I'm in the woods.
0: Yeah. that's what I wanted to talk to you about is kind of like your process of how you go about, fi- uh, I want to start like from the beginning, like how do you go about finding these giant deer and like Iowa, obviously there are a lot more deer like that than, uh, s- some other States, but you still got to find them and, and they're not around every bush in Iowa, you know, yeah. um, yeah. It's, it's a tough process. Like how, how, I guess, how do you, uh, oh, before we start, if you guys have questions before, uh, for, Rendell or myself, just leave them in the comment section. We'll enter what we'll answer them at the end of the show. Um, anyway, how do you go about finding like your, your booners?
1: So um, I, a lot of times I just do post It's like, uh, all it's a 24, seven, kind of job for me. I do the postseason scouting, glassing, and then I do some in-season scouting. But a lot of the times I find them mostly post-season. Yeah. In, you know, like Dan does, gets really in there, intimate with their bedding areas. And after you spend a bunch of years just finding buck bedding and you find the mature beds, you just get a knack for kind of like what they need to live because they – there are certain things they got they gotta have, and I just start honing in on areas that have those things
0: mm-hmm. like what
1: uh they gotta have browse uh, they're not gonna bed in like a uh i don't know a risky area it's gonna be kind of bulletproof
0: mm-hmm.
1: I mean no long like talk about long line a lot they'll move one two miles a night to go out to main ag, but they gotta have browse to live they gotta yeah. have uh wind advantage a lot of deer out here where I live, they use their eyesight a lot. They watch accesses and stuff like that. Um,
0: yeah. When you, Rindle, uh you're going to use your Rendellism as, as I call them, but you said, you said long lining. What's that mean? I know what it means, but you tell everybody what that means.
1: So long linings, like when a buck's bedding in a primary bedding area, but the main food source is like two, two miles away, one mile away. Yeah. And they'll get up, they'll stage in their little staging area, usually within like a hundred yard bubble of the bedding area. And then after it gets dark, they'll move out like a mile or two feed. And they'll come back in the morning.
0: You see them do that a lot, like move that far.
1: Yeah. Especially out here in the main ag areas, like uh, in Iowa, Nebraska, other places in the Midwest. Yeah,
0: They could do that here for sure. Um, yeah. it's It's kind of crazy to think how, how far they'll go to eat dinner, you know?
1: yeah for sure i mean but a mile or two to a big buck man in the dark that's really nothing they can move fast. Yeah.
0: yeah yeah we can't really conceptualize how easy it is for them to get around in any type of terrain that they are uh, accustomed to um now so you're talking about late or uh late season scouting or, or scouting right after uh a season and, and most people that watch this are pretty well diversed in us talking about that uh but like what percentage would you say of bucks, like your booners that you've killed, have you found, you know, late season scouting versus like glass in the summertime or running trail cameras? Like what, what do you think is your uh, best way of finding them?
1: That's about 50, 50 for me, about half post-season, half, uh, in season scouting.
0: Yeah. That's, I, I always like, mm, I get a lot of information from my postseason scouting, obviously, but I think for the like, I think that gets me in the general area. But yeah. most of the deer I kill, like it's because of something I found during in season scouting. Um, is that yeah. kind of how what you'd say too? Or yeah, you I get close. Kind of
1: sometimes I'll just go for gold with just the postseason scouting uh, knowledge that I got and hope for the best. And sometimes. I'll pair, it. you know, you'll see a rub line open. You scouted that bedding area. You'll be cruising through and be like, oh, there's that rub line opened up. So, you know, that deer is using that bedding area. Then you can make a play on them. And sometimes I just go in. That's my first sit. I never really even scouted it like that. Right there. That buck right there. Yeah. That marked buck. Like all I did was find the tracks post-season. Me and my buddy were shed hunting. I found the tracks. I kind of followed them back and then i just looked back there and was like oh i bet i bet he's bedded in this bay area and then i never Mm -hmm. went even went and looked at it i just left and then i never went back until the day i hunted it i went in there through the main creek channel and crawled up on a point that had some honey locust pods on it and set up
0: did you uh did you know he was that big a buck
1: no i had no idea never seen the buck before at all oh really nothing like i just seen the tracks like the tracks are huge like enough to get my attention to go kind of look at it yeah
0: um what about uh we talked we were in a camp together last week for a little bit we talked about trail cameras and some of your frustrations with them like do you (laughs) do you how much how much do you rely on trail camera information when
1: i do rely on it it bites me in the butt man i don't i think it's more of a hassle than it is anything else if you're using it for inventory, I, I, that's where I shine. If I just get that one photo and abandon the camera, it's when you start hunting with the camera where it bites you in the butt, like you're waiting for that daylight photo or two photos in a row. You know, if you get the one photo, you need, you need to be hunting it and in season, like we were talking about, if you find that hot sign you need to be hunting it instead of hanging a camera there and letting the camera tell you what's there you need to be there to verify it in person and then hang the camera to see what you missed after that if you didn't see anything when you're hunting
0: yeah i uh I'm still trying to figure out my role with with cameras and how how to use them like I'm constantly uh trying trying to decipher on how how to go about it I mean cause I've never actually like killed a deer because of a trail camera for the most part. You know what I mean? Uh, and I, I, for the most, like, I I typically just use them for inventory purposes. And then I, like I forget about them once October 1st rolls around. Yeah. Um, but I also spend a lot of time messing with them like off season putting them up, taking them down. I got two of them right now that fell off a tree because of coons. We got freaking coons everywhere in Indiana now. And they've ripped them down, you know, Yeah. and uh, it's just like, now I got to spend a freaking day walking back and fixing these two cameras. And it's just like, ah, it's like, just forget <laughs> it. But they're both cell cameras, you know, so you hate to just waste yeah. them. But
1: yeah, I've, I've really narrowed down how many cameras I run. You got like Gary running a hundred and mm-hmm. hundred something cameras. It's almost like a full-time job. <laughs> I can't,
0: I'm not smart yeah. enough to keep track of I'm that. I'm not
1: checking all those. Like, I just don't have the time. But all the all the booners I killed, I've never got a single photo of any of them. Really? So, to me, that means like I don't know. I don't really need the camera to hunt. I just use yeah. woodsmanship, you know. So
0: like you never got a camera or uh you never got a picture of them. And if you're just post-season scouting, you're not really seeing how big they are. So like no. are you are you finding them in the summertime or anything, Rendall? Or how do you I guess how do you know they're they're booners, or are you just
1: I'm just going just, by the bedding. Like when yeah. you like Dan talks about when you lay in the bed and that light bulb goes off, yeah, and you're like, man, how am I ever gonna kill this deer? Now that's those beds I'll start marking and I'll rotate through them and just start hunting them. I mean, eventually one of them's gonna have a giant buck in it. Well, at least an yeah. them anyway.
0: Yeah, I mean that's freaking like gold information for people, really, because we do get caught up on uh, hunting off of. We have so much information on deer now. Uh, the problem with the information is like you said, it's like kind of this false hope that we get because everything's kind of late to the game by the time you uh, receive the information, whether it be checking SD cards or, um, or cell cameras, even, you know, your, your yeah. cell camera goes off, you're sitting at work eating lunch or something. And it's like, what what, you know, that deer could be in 10 minutes. He could be, he could long line somewhere, you know,
1: yeah, exactly. Um, and like, uh, woodsmanship trumps everything, man. Like, if you know all the different shifts I'm a big shift hunter like I'll I try to learn all the fall shifts because there's multiple shifts happening depending on what part of the fall you're in different seasons open different times and deer do a little different things but
0: in Iowa I know I know obviously you know you're primarily hunting in Iowa what like what kind of shifts or do you see in Iowa
1: so like right out of the gate I don't care about beans at all like I don't even pay attention to beans. If it's only beans and no corn, they usually don't have the mature bucks on that property that year. So I really focus on corn. Um, where I live, acorns don't really matter too much. Like I'm uh, alfalfa and uh, corn's the big key. You'll you'll get a shift to greens like late uh, September, right in that opening week of October for Iowa. So they could be on the greens pretty heavy. Then they transition off of that into the corn pretty hard. But I, I key in on, like, the browse, like honey locust pods are falling. I rely on uh, honey locust more than I do acorns most of the time because there's not yeah. a lot of oaks out here. Um, stinging nettle kind of dwindles out a little bit. You got jewelweed, duck potato. There's a lot of different things because I try to pair the bedding with a staging area. So I, I key on, like, secondary food to predict, like, which way that buck's going to move out of his bedding area at night to set up.
0: So you're looking at these kind of like, uh, honestly, like food sources that people don't think about. Like we all think about corn and beans and alfalfa, yeah. Uh, which those are important sometimes, obviously. Uh, a lot of times they are. But finding these like, like you said, stinging nettle and and locust pods and that kind of thing. Whenever we were in Illinois last year in the winter time, dude, locust pod trees that had locust, you know, all those black long locust pods on the ground. It's just like deer poop everywhere underneath them. Yeah, for sure. Crazy. No.
1: They'll even eat like those hedge apples, those big, uh,
0: hedge apples.
1: I mean, they eat the leaves off those trees too. When the leaves fall off, they'll hit the leaves pretty hard. Maple leaves. I mean, there's so much stuff they eat that people never think about.
0: Yeah. And so those, you're looking for like certain times of year when they're, they're hitting those food sources then.
1: Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm a more of an early season hunter over rut. So it's, the browse and secondary food sources are a lot hotter in the early season.
0: Yeah. What, uh, I mean, do you, do you find any patterns on those sources you were talking about? Like, um, like what's good October one for, for you guys versus, you know, late October.
1: Yeah. Honey pods right out of the gate. Really? Yeah.
0: So you always hear people talking about those in late season.
1: Yeah. Early season, they have like a green mesh. It's mm. like a mash in them, kind of like I don't know, like a lima bean. If you smash it up, yeah, so it's really pliable. And they'll hit it kind of hard, like a early soybean kind of deal. They'll smash them, and then yeah. they leave them alone until after they freeze, and then they come back around and hit them, just like a soybean,
0: pretty much. Gotcha. See, I something I never have thought about was them hitting it early. I've heard of people talking about hitting them during late season, but that's something I probably should because we have a decent amount of locust stuff here. Not, yeah. not, not a lot. Decent amount, yeah. That um,
1: that marsh buck came right out into a grove. I was just smashing them when I shot them.
0: Mm. Stinging nettle. When did they hit that for you guys and us? <laughs> <West?
1: laughs> yeah, it's pretty. I mean, it's pretty early for that. Like probably right before season. Yeah, season just a little bit. They they kind of die off pretty quick. I mean, it can be pretty cold here. Like this year, I think it'll be pretty cold when season opens.
0: Yeah, it's already, I mean, I was looking at the 10-day the forecast here. It's starting to cool off pretty fast everywhere, it seems like. I'm going to Wisconsin Friday, and it's, I mean, it's going to be high in the 60s some days, so that's going to be nice.
1: Yeah, I'm debating Wisconsin or Missouri. I'm kind of going between, or I might do both. I might do a week in one and then hit the a other different one. Yeah.
0: So uh, you, you, you find the deer, and then we kind of know how you uh, go about setting up on them rendle as far as you're looking looking for these beds uh in relation to these secondary food sources yeah you're a saddle hunter yeah i am <laughs> so i i'm just curious and i know we're not going to sit here and talk about gear because i know you love talking about gear right, that's my but food. like i just i'm like so my mind is constantly like turning and involving, like what can kind i of do better why do certain people do certain things like i've been talking to annie may about you know saddle hunting and fixed blade bro- or mechanical broadheads and like so, like just getting a plethora of ideas and, and trying to form my own opinion about stuff um why do you saddle hunt over tree stand hunt because you're just so everybody knows rendal is you're like six yeah. two, eight yeah or something like yeah, that two fifty around there I okay <laughs> yeah um so got like i guess what made you decide like i'm gonna be i'm gonna utilize saddles instead of a, a lock-on stand
1: Well, before all the big mobile hunting tree stands got going,
0: all the
1: all the seat posts were so short and you get that sciatic nerve pinch because I'd be eating my knees pretty much in the stand. I get off the stand after a couple hours and I'd be hobbling through the woods and uh, just wasn't comfortable for me. So I switched to the saddle. That's way more comfortable. And I just feel like I can get in a lot more trees with a saddle, which I mean, guys will debate that. But for me, I feel like I can. And my style of hunting really low, and I use a side lean for that uh, kind of style of hunting. I feel like I just look like a, you know, if you got a trunk here, I'm just leaned out like that. I just look like a branch running off the side of the trunk.
0: Yeah, um, and whenever I guess, what do you mean by? See, I'm, I've saddle hunted a lot, but I'm still like you're, you're you got like leaners, you got sitters, yeah. <laughs> all that stuff. Like, what's the difference? I guess. Is it so, just yeah, not,
1: it's just like you're sitting in a tree stand, but you're facing the tree and your knees are in the tree and you're sitting the leaners just straight leaned like that. Like, yeah.
0: So, so you don't, you don't really like you take like a John Eberhar approach where he always has the tree between him and the deer, right?
1: Yeah. I don't do that at all. I That's what I, I, I,
0: that's what I was asked. That's kind of what yeah. I, my brain was trying to figure out.
1: Yeah. I lean off the side of the tree. A lot of guys set up. So the tree's like right in front of me, right? Yeah. Here.
0: And you shoot around the tree.
1: But I rotate out, and I'll be on the side of the tree right here, so I can I hold my bow too the whole time, like the last hour of daylight. Okay, I hold yeah. my bow. I put the cam on my hip, and I just hold it because I used the bow to hide my draw. But I'm I'm set up in a way where there's not a lot of deer coming through. There's one exit trail coming out. I think I got him figured out. He's either coming down that trail, and I'm killing him, or I'm not, or he's not going to show up. You know, so. I got everything perfectly set up so I don't have to move. He's just going to come in. I'm going to draw the bow straight back, hide the draw with the limbs, and I'm just going to shoot him really close.
0: So you essentially try to set up to where you're, he's coming right in on your strong side. Yeah. Which, which for you, you're left-handed. But like yeah. for me, it'd be my right side. And then you never have to, to move or, or make movements. I've always I've always had a hard time with the concept of uh, not that, I mean, whatever, John Everhart's killed way more deer than I have. And, and I'm sure he does this, but I've I've had a hard time with the concept of like being able to actually move efficiently around a tree while there's deer in, in range and stuff. Like I just don't, I'm like, ah man, I feel like it'd be hard to get away with that, but
1: yeah, I think if you're doing that, you need to be higher. Yeah. Like, you know, 20, 30 feet, but I'm hunting so low. I don't feel like I mean, if you're watching a deer and the deer looks away or he's doing something, you can move really slow. But when I'm nine foot off the ground and I got, you know, a Booner class buck rolling into five yards, I really don't want to be moving around the tree and stuff. I just want to be set up perfect where I can just draw straight back and shoot him.
0: What's the, uh, what's the distances you've killed all your Booners at? Uh, five, five, 15.
1: Uh, 55 and
0: 60. <laughs> You're either, you've either shot him uh, with like in spear range or you've, you've, uh, reached out and touched him.
1: Yeah. Sometimes you just got to set up where they're at and then will be like some little fence row yeah. out in the middle of major ag. And, you know, sometimes they'll loop way out and then you just got to make that shot. I mean, I'm going to send it. I'm gonna send it kind of guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. oh i almost called this uh episode full frontal with uh yeah, that'd be awesome you know? <laughs> we'll get youtube fired up about that <laughs> uh, why do you hunt low why do you hunt so low like because you almost do it on purpose right you only yeah. carry you don't carry much into the woods with you no minimalist setup
1: i can get up in the tree quick get down quick i feel like when that buck's bedded down And you're getting that close to him. If you get too high, he's going to skylight you. He can look over the vegetation that's blocking you and him. And he picks you off moving in the tree. So I think I can get closer to the bed if I stay low because he can't. You know what I mean? I'm not elevated high enough for him to pick me off. Um, Shot angles better. If I have to get down and make an adjustment like during a rut or something, I can just fly right down. Or sometimes, you never know, sometimes I pick the wrong tree, and I'm like, oh, this tree sucks. <laughs> you know, yeah. and I've got to get down and make a move. I just feel comfortable, and I think you blend in better. Like, the deer's not expecting you to be there. They're always looking up, and then uh, either on ground level or they're looking way up. It's like there's an in-between thing, too. I've read a lot about, like, deer vision. Like, their vision is kind of weird in that inner area. Mm you know, like 10, 12 foot area. And then I can have all the back cover I want. I really use the back cover to set up. I don't, I don't like cover in front of me because I don't want to shoot through it. And I don't really necessarily care if I have cover on the tree I'm on. I'm all about blending in on what's behind me.
0: Yeah, I've really been focused on that though. The last couple of years is is trying to get in the right spot in a, in a tree. And man, I'm with you. Like I have, I would say probably s- 70 percent of the time i'm i have two sticks with my eighters on them my uh, one step aider, and that's usually what i use um gary doesn't even carry any more than that anymore he just carries two two sticks with him all the time
1: yeah, i carry three just in case because sometimes Same. you get some w- weird tree that's all nasty and you got to use an extra stick to move around something right because you can't stretch them out very well now if i'm hunting hill country i might I might take four or five sticks just to try to get above if I'm on the side of a ridge or I'm down in a hub or something.
0: Yeah, for sure. I still think, uh, at least the hills in Indiana, we have these pretty, I think they're called sassafras trees that are straight and no limbs on them at all. I still like sometimes wish I had a climber in there because like, Uh I think, I think a really cool tool, and I know they have these out here, but I don't know how good they are yet. But if you can make like a climber saddle platform, hmm. that would be a useful tool for me here in Indiana, at least. Cause like all the trees in those, um, in, in the hills are the straight and limbless trees for
1: yeah. the most part. You think it will make more noise if you use a climber, uh, in conjunction with the saddle? I, I don't know.
0: I've never, never used one like that. Huh. I don't know. You know? Yeah, yeah. Probably. But, it depends on
1: the bark of the tree, I guess. Cause I know trees yeah.
0: are loud as heck when you're climbing them
1: with a climber.
0: Yeah. My dad, this was his, uh, when he went to Nebraska with us, this was his first like mobile hunting experience with a lock on. He always used climbers in the past. Yeah. And before we left, he's like, I just don't understand why this is better than a climber yet. And I'm like, yeah, I said, you know, just give it, give it, give it a try. And after we left, he was, he was convinced like, this is, you know, this is better. Um, yeah, he
1: wouldn't have made it in some of those trees. I made him get in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was it was hard for a left-handed guy to set up a right-handed guy because I kept oh yeah kept messing it up. All I
0: didn't think I didn't think about that. That is a different way you got to think about it.
1: Yeah, I was like, oh, that's not gonna work. Oh, that's not gonna work.
0: I'm like, dang, come on, man. Like I was trying I, to get. Have you messed with the ring of steps on your saddle at all, or do you just do platform?
1: Man, I'm not really in the gear that much. I just use the platform.
0: Yeah. Yep. I can't. I've I've tried a ring of steps a couple times, and it's so uncomfortable for me. I think I'm so tall.
1: Like I can just, I can put my knee in the tree and go all the way around the front of the tree. And yeah, I didn't think about that. You can get a lot of reach. Yeah, I got a lot more advantage over shorter guys in the saddle.
0: Yep. Um you have i guess as far as setting up low other than finding cover and any and, and and all that stuff you really have any other tips for people like when you're when you're that that low
1: yeah you got to get really good at not moving and the saddle can be tough cuz you'll be wanting to do the swing yeah. deal i mean you got to be dialed in like even your head movement like that like a deer can pick you off so when it's prime time you got to be really mentally disciplined not to be messing around don't play on your phone like it is a lot harder to hunt lower if you're uh, if you move a bunch that's big key is uh
0: movement that's where I I in the past have struggled with the saddle is is uh tend to move I'm kind of a fidgety person anyway yeah. um and with the stand I can you know just sit there and at least not move you know, half my body cause it's yeah. seated. Um, but yeah.
1: it's funny cause in a tree stand, I'm a sitter, but in the saddle, I'm a leaner. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting, but there's some situation in the tree stand, like it, everything's a tool. There's no, uh, one be all everything like, right. Like, uh, cedar trees, man, the uh, saddle's tough. Like I like the tree stand better and like cedars or hedge trees. Anything that you got to lower your profile to get into, it's pretty tough. And I can make it work, but it takes a lot of extra time and effort to make it happen sometimes. Yeah,
0: I could see that for sure. And I can see how, like, a guy like Dan, where he hunts, uh, swamp edges a lot and, like, uh, kind of tiny trees and kind of weird trees, I could see how he would prefer a stand a lot of the times. Just, um, just the nature of where you hunt could be more conducive to a saddle versus a stand. Yeah. And I get in a lot of
1: those same trees with the saddle, but it's a lot more work and it can be, if you don't know all the little adjustments in the saddle, it can be a lot more uncomfortable. I think it's more of like an experienced saddle hunter, uh, can get away with stuff a little bit better just because they know like tethered height, uh, different comfort channels you can do how you adjust, different things like the pitch the lean you can lean the platform like angle the platform certain directions yeah turn your tether knot around i mean there's all kinds of little things you can do to help you out that i do when i get in those little crap trees that's another thing i was going to say about hunting low i mean i'm like 285 man if i get too high in those trees i'm up there (laughs) (laughs) you know i mean i'm like i can't shoot out of this tree Like, I'm half leaned Gra- over, like, holding uh, on. All gravity right. doesn't
0: work well with you.
1: Yeah, it does not. Like, I am not a fluent climber at all. I'm so big. <laughs> like, a Sasquatch
0: trying to climb up something. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm blessed in that manner where I'm a normal size. So, yeah, I, I, can't, to...
1: I can't move through brush as good as, like, you or Gary. Like, Gary yeah. I was going through stuff, and I was getting hung up, and I was kind of cussing. <laughs> I was cussing at him a little bit. He kept dragging me through all these tights face i'm like an elephant in there just ripping he <laughs> did get me lost in that freaking cattail kind of mad.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh yeah that that has to be frustrating oh um, yeah, that was funny uh you still put on a lot of miles though and get around
1: oh yeah i can if i want to roll through it i can go through it pretty easy but when it's 105 degrees man you don't really want to do much.
0: Yeah, I was, it was hot. Um, dang it. I just had something in my mind to ask you and and I can't remember what it was. Um, your, uh, all your booners there, uh, Justin Tanner, he was asking if you killed any of them in hill country. I have not. I, I wait to hunt hill country
1: in a rut. I have got on some really big deer in the hills, but I usually hunt, more like, uh, marsh, ag land, river bottom stuff before I move up into the hills and then being an early season hunter, I've, uh, killed most of my deer early, but, uh, I've hit some of them in the late rut, uh, tra- doing the long lining thing to expand that home range and they look for the last dose.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I'm not real familiar with Iowa. I know there's, there's a decent amount of hill country and I guess in where you're, where you live at or the use zones you hunt um, is that primarily what you're you're finding is like farm country and and swamp type stuff or do you have hill country too that's i everybody thinks
1: i was really flat and nothing but corn but it's super diverse like yeah i'll go four hour i got a four hour kind of diameter i'll run in iowa and you can go from like major like river bluffs that are super steep you can go to hardwood hill country you got mixed egg straight egg i can hunt swamp river bottom i mean i go everywhere because i want to be like i talk about in most of my podcasts i just want to be really diverse so i can be consistent hunter so i'm trying to be the best i can be in all different terrains but hill country is i think it's harder to hunt early so i can tend to shy away from it a little bit but if i lock on some really big bucks that's what i'm usually focused on yeah I found a couple 200s and I just lock into those areas so, and I really don't want to leave. Yeah. So I tend not to just spread out and go to like hill country and stuff.
0: That's something else that's unique about you. Rindle is like, you said you, you travel up to four hours away from your, yeah your central area. You hunt, I mean, some guys won't get out of the County they live in, you know?
1: Yeah. I think it's good because I'm just looking for deer. Like wherever I gotta go to get on the biggest deer I can find, and I don't want just one. I'm trying to find as many big bucks as I can. That way, I can be way more aggressive. If something happens, it gets shot, EHD, somebody else moves in on it, or I blow it out. I, you know, I don't lose hope. I'm like, I right, just jump in on another
0: one. How many, like, any, how, how many big bucks do you usually find a year to hunt?
1: I can vary. Uh, was it two years ago I found 15 over 150 last year it was pretty tough I only found like maybe five or so but every now and then, I was really on some giants though last year I was on like three over 160
0: yeah you you had a uh rough you had a hard season last year didn't you Rendell yeah I did it was, what do you think what do you think the main thing was last year that you struggled with
1: not trusting my gut yeah um i felt like man i just i got almost too ballsy i think (laughs) like man i was up in some crazy like (laughs) almost like i got too confident not really ego but man i was just like i'm gonna try this and i know it's like man this is crazy um never got really the good wins it was kind of hot like a lot of the season um I didn't let go of deer like I should have too. I should have bounced out on some bucks. I was really, I got too stubborn. Like I got locked in, man. And it kind of pissed me off that I just couldn't get on a couple of these bucks. So I really locked in on them, you know, got that stubborn streak. I wanted to will myself. And some of the deer were in like unfamiliar country. Like I didn't get postseason scouting and it was like new areas that opened up and I dove into them. And they're really like opened areas. I mean, you could see miles. So I'm crawling in like drainage ditches and trying to figure these deer out. And I'm not super familiar with the uh, super open country like that. So it was a learning. I mean, you learn more when you fail. Yeah. And I think I hunted cameras too much too. I got stupid and I was like waiting for photos or I did the thing I said not to do. Like I find killer sign and i hang your camera to verify size and then boom, next morning or next day the buck would daylight right there and he'd catch my scent. And I'm like, Oh, I'm done. Yeah. And, uh, what I had a hard time transitioning to, as you get more popular too, helping. I was trying to help everybody. And man, I spent so much of my time helping people that it was hard for me to like game plan and read maps and stuff. Cause I was doing it for so many other people. Not that that I wouldn't take that back. Cause I like to help people. Cause I didn't really have a mentor, you know, but it did, uh, it did take a lot of my time and energy to focus on other guys instead of myself.
0: Yeah. Dan talks about that a lot. Um, he struggles with it a bit, but, um, yeah, it is. It's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Yeah. You want to, in the long run, it's, it's a, you're okay with it, but in the time it's frustrating.
1: Yeah, it can be.
0: Yeah. I think that's something like everybody needs to think about as you become a better hunter is, uh, you do get overconfident and then you start forgetting like some of the basic things that you need to like, um, you know, I'm, I'm serious. Like you, you get like, Oh, I can get away with this because I'll, I'll figure it out. But it's like, no, you gotta, you gotta keep your eyes, you know, dotted and your T's crossed. You can't get complacent. You can't make these silly mistakes, like picking out a tree. Like, ah, oh, this one's good enough. Cause I'm, I killed whatever. I've killed yeah. all these deer now. And it's like, no, Nope, they're still smart animals that will uh, yeah, show there. your weaknesses, you know.
1: Dan talks about, like, dating a fat chick, you know. I felt mm-hmm. like I was trying to date the fat chick, her sister, her cousin, and her <laughs> mom all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> like, Man, if you seen me in some of these trees out there, you'd be like, what
0: the heck's that guy doing? <laughs> oh, my God, this is awful.
1: You but, you just feel
0: like you were just taking it too far almost?
1: Is that what you Yeah, you're- I was doing some really extreme risks stuff i mean sometimes it panned out and sometimes i got lit up like yeah it's just whatever man but i learned a ton like what i can get away with what i can't get away with like sometimes man i learn way more like i said from failing than i do just going in and smoking one and being like you know it's awesome yeah yeah for sure
0: i i uh i really uh um i condemn you for condemns the wrong word i pre i pre i appreciate uh your got your like dedication to those big giant deer like that though like that's something i'm not very good at is 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 you know waiting on something like you have all behind you and maybe i'll get there you know you're yeah and you you know, a handful of years older than me but and i said i had a bad season but if you've seen some
1: of the deer i let walk by me man you'd probably kick me in the nuts yeah <laughs> yeah are. i
0: know yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Letting 150s walk by, man, it can be tough, especially when you're struggling that season. But yeah, I mean, you're not going to kill the 180 or the 200 if you're shooting a 150.
0: Yeah, for sure. What? Okay. How many? When did you kill? What year did you kill your first booner? How many years ago was it? Uh, Eleven years ago. It was my
1: first uh, season in Iowa.
0: So you're about
1: every other year you've killed one, then. Two, yeah, every two years I average one. That'll get me dialed in sometimes if I find out. Like, I've been on a couple of giants that I know about for the last couple of years that I'll make some moves on this year. I feel
0: pretty mm-hmm. confident. What do you think? Like, if you could put, tell one person, like, or, or tell everybody one thing that has uh, helped you kill all five of those, what what would you tell people?
1: Don't be scared to do something different. Yeah. Yeah. You can't be scared when you're hunting just go for it. Like no balls, no bucks personality. Cause a lot of times it's not in like a traditional spot. Like the big buck thinks totally different. Like I'm in areas where I haven't seen a guy hunt in like 10 years. Cause it's so off the wall spot that nobody would ever believe that a buck that size lived
0: there. Yeah. That's good. Uh, that's good stuff, man. I, uh, I'm slowly starting to – like, last year was a pretty big eye-opener for me on, on how – not aggressive, but, like, how uh, outside the box you can be and be successful. Yeah. my I, I got to get out of my head, too. Like, since I travel quite a bit, I have, like, such limited time in my home state and outside of it. I'm always like, ah, this 120 is good enough, you know? Because yeah. I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be gone in three days. Um, and that's where I got to get, like, who cares? You know, yeah. just don't shoot another 120.
1: Yeah, I mean it's up to, everybody's different, man. Like those yeah. out of state hunts are a lot harder. Like you're not doing all the postseason scouting as much. I mean, you can a little bit, but travel times, gas money. Like when I go out of state, it's more for fun for me. Like it takes it's taxing hunting giant bucks, man. I put so much effort and work into it when I'm here. When I go out of state, it's more like deer camp mode. I just want to have fun, kind of yeah. bounce around, really test my skills, like getting on deer, just like, just e-scouting and just be like, oh, I'm going to go check this out. When you find deer there, just builds your confidence up. I use it more like confidence builder, fun. You're getting the rust off, too. I like Iowa opens October 1st because I can hunt for a whole month out of state, get all my gear dialed in. If I got new gear, I can kind of work on it, figure it out, be like, oh, this is making noise, or, oh, I don't like this. I'm going to ditch this. So it's more like, you know, a pre-game warm-up thing for me.
0: Yeah. Yep. Um, but you're going to do a little more out of state hunting this year. It sounds like that you have in years past, right? Man, I'm hunting like seven states, dude. It's going to be wild. You may rack up some of them 120s this year. Oh yeah, I'm
1: racking up. I don't care, man. Whatever makes me happy. Because at the end of the day, nobody cares, man. Like what you shoot. Like it's my life. I'm living the dream. I'm just going to smoke whatever makes me happy. and Yeah. with it? Do you, uh... You get burned out in Iowa. I think it spoils you, man, when you go to other states that are really hard. Yeah, you're you're like in the kingdom of you know, yeah. I mean, one of the best states in the whole country, and then you go to somewhere that's not very good. I mean, it can be it can mess with your mind a little bit, but
0: yeah. Yeah, you you just mentioned that it was you know hunting big bucks are taxing sometimes. Yeah, so it can
1: be fun to go out of state and just hang out with your buddies and bounce around smoke a 120
0: yeah yeah i guess it's uh one of those things where you have to take things so serious when you're hunting you know six-year-old deer that's 180 inches and sometimes it's fun just to go and just be out there and hope one hope hope one with a decent eight-point rack walks by you know
1: yeah 135 that's what i tell gary every time oh it's a 135 (laughs) we're smoking it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I like yeah. a lot of, I like character too. I like the freak bucks. So if it's got yeah. ash on it or drop time, it's dying. Like I don't really care. Yeah. How much. Like if I yeah. see a drop time in Iowa, that's one I'm probably shooting it just cause I don't have a drop time buck. I mean, yeah,
0: they're not, they're not very, uh, they're hard to come, come by. Yeah. But hunting out of state's fun. I
1: mean, you get different terrains, different experience. Uh, I think it makes like, uh, me and Gary were talking earlier today. It just makes you a better hunter. Like you're in a lot more diverse areas that are harder to hunt and you just got to drive harder you really pick up a lot of tips and stuff. But a lot of the stuff I used in Iowa when we were hunting out of state, I mean, I got on deer pretty quick, just about everywhere I went.
0: Yeah. Um, you also live kind of in a real good area where you can get to a few states pretty quickly, right? Yeah, I planned it that way. I can bounce out and be
1: in Nebraska, Missouri, the Dakotas, Oklahoma, super fast. Even yeah. Wisconsin's not too bad of a drive.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely – you, know, you, you planned to head, head there for sure.
1: Yeah, uh, Kansas, a, only a couple hours. Not bad.
0: Mine was not intentional, but, uh, yeah, I'm in a pretty good southern Indiana. I'd get to Ohio, Kentucky, Illinois. I'm all within a few hours of all those places. If I need to want to go somewhere,
1: yeah, um, I plan to get away from people more than I did uh, anything else. Like, yeah, the further west you move, there's way less people. So that was kind of like my strategy into it too. And you moved from Ver- West Virginia? Virginia? I'm, uh, my grandparents had a farm in West Virginia. My dad was a marine. I've lived all over the south, right. From like right. Tennessee.
0: Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know like where you were living at when you decided I'm going to Iowa. Yeah. Tennessee. Tennessee, Okay. Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's actually some good deer in Tennessee. Now it seems like a lot of people killed decent ones down there.
1: Yeah. That's, it's getting pretty good down there. Kentucky's blown up. Tennessee's getting good. Even like some places in Alabama are pumping out pretty good deer.
0: Yep. Um, it was pretty slow. It seemed like though early season down there this year. to to me on facebook at least
1: yeah uh, when that cold front came in the last couple days though guys started knocking them down like Mm -hmm. yeah a buddy of mine like three or four of his friends all uh shot bucks the last couple days down there once that cold snap set in
0: yeah yeah it was it was crickets there that first weekend though everywhere really yeah once 100
1: degrees it's just tough hunting
0: i mean a couple people killed some but it wasn't like it says some years where it's just like gosh everybody's knocking them down this weekend yeah, yeah. I, I was, I was telling Gary th- today. I was marking him back and forth, and man, I am ready to hunt in something that's not hundred degrees. Because I went from Tennessee, and it was hundred and thirteen and our tr- like our trucker at hundred thirteen. We walked in, and then in, in Nebraska, it was over a hundred. A couple days there, I'm just like, I'm so sick of this, dude.
1: The state is starting to open up this weekend. It's gonna be it's gonna be awesome because that cold weather is usually not like. Missouri last year, I was hunting in a hundred degrees for like a week and a half where now it's going to be high, like 70 every day. Like it's going to be nuts, man. Deer are going to be moving like crazy.
0: Whenever I walked in, we walked in the first day in Tennessee, it was 113. Um, and I've never, I've set my, like, well, I put my stand up. Like I was, I honestly, and I'm in good shape and all that. Like I got up in the stand. I'm like, I don't know if I should be up here. (laughs) <laughs> like I felt I felt kind of lightheaded. I was like, I mean, just uh as much sweat as I could hold on my body was it was on my clothes and I'm like taking like a deep breath like all right, settle down because this is not good. And uh sure. uh and then we got up in the stand and I looked around and it was the wrong tree. Like I couldn't see anything. So I had to I was like, oh, we gotta get down. We're not gonna shoot anything right here. And uh I had to take the whole stand down and put it back up. We were just like, this is dumb. Yeah, I don't
1: even know if that's worth it, man. I probably uh, I them. know. I know. <laughs> Twice the size of you, too, man. I would have died out there probably.
0: Yeah, it was uh it was probably the I mean, I had I had fun cuz I was with my buddy Patrick, but yeah. it was the uh probably the most miserable I've been hunting as far as just you know, weather-wise. I I, I would rather have been cold at that particular time without oh, yeah. I don't like.
1: Sorry, I, I'm definitely no, cold weather guy.
0: I yeah I, uh, you know, my, the cold weather sucks too because when it was <laughs> like negative twenty, and then that's not fun either. But at least I I don't know I didn't feel like I was going to pass out. That's true.
1: <laughs> like I hunted a negative thirty, and I was like, man, I'm insane. I'm
0: an idiot for being out here. Well, uh, man, I I tell you what, the cold weather gear anymore is really good. Yeah. Like you can, you can be really, um, uh, pretty low temperatures and, and get yourself comfortable. Uh, um, yeah.
1: so I like cold weather, man. Cause I can always put layers on, especially like you said, the new technology and new installations and how garments are made where man, you can only get so naked.
0: No, right. <laughs> Nobody wants to see that. No, <laughs> negative, negative. Yeah, we had a, it was a uh, it was gun season in Tennessee down there because so you had to wear orange vests and I was like, I'm like, dude, I, I'm just gonna take this shirt off, wear this orange vest. That's about it's. I mean, it was miserable.
1: Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Just wear <laughs>
0: your safety just harness. Wear <laughs> oh man. Just wear my
1: saddle and a speedo and a safety vest. <laughs> yep,
0: yep. We should have just went swimming. Is what we should have done. Pretty much instead of a uh, instead of a uh, deer hunting
1: um i need to make like a bubble suit with a portable air conditioner in it for hunters
0: there you go your your product uh development at osseo there you go just <laughs> yeah i don't now, know what
1: to think about start,
0: that start writing yeah i don't know he's from south carolina he may appreciate it yeah
1: i think he's just conditioned to the heat
0: that's what he told me too i was talking to him about how hot it was going to be and he's like "Ah, man those deer they're pretty used to that kind of stuff you know yeah um they got to
1: eat to live and drink to live so yeah they live
0: at some point mostly at night but but i don't know it was hot we didn't see many deer either so there was something to it for sure now after i left and the velvet season was over it cooled off to in the 80s and then they were moving like crazy on that yeah. piece i was uh hunting because of my buddies they had some cameras out there but nice it is what it is i mean there it was It's not like I could have waited and went later in the week or anything because it was just that weekend. It's the only time the season's open, so gave it a
1: shot. You got to do what you can do. It's just fun being out there, man. You don't always have to kill something.
0: No, right. And then you get those – I mean, Tennessee, I can go – so it's just a hunting uh, license you buy. You don't, like, buy tags or anything down Uh, there. So, like, my hunting license is good for turkeys now, or I can go down there and hunt whatever now, so – which you yeah, a lot know. of the southern
1: states give you all kinds of crazy amount of tags. And yeah. Which is kind of cool. But
0: at the same time, I'm like, yeah, Yeah. It's different, uh different atmosphere down there when it comes to deer hunting.
1: Yeah. Out here it's big money, man. Like it's not cheap to be hunting on
0: yeah. states. Do you do you find okay, so there's like tons of big names out there in Iowa, right? That own these yep. farms. Do you find like the public around those guys is horrible? Like, does it get a lot of pressure?
1: They get hammered, man. Guys will literally just e scout and look for the names of the big name guys and slide like, right yeah. up off the property lines. Yeah. I mean, even I've done it a couple times. I'm like, oh yeah, that they got big deer there. I'm gonna slide in on that public to see if I can't catch one. Cause they got the food, so it's gonna hold deer. I mean, that's more for the rut, though. Like you catch them yeah. on and coming off for late season, early season. I don't know. That's not really a good tactic for me.
0: Yeah, I was gonna ask you, those guys that have those farms dialed in like they do, like the juries and like I don't know, like Josh Bomar, Lee Likoski, all those guys, like are those farms good enough to where they they hold their deer in place to where they're not coming on other people's properties? Like I know I know some of those farms do have public close to it. Yeah, or,
1: usually those deer don't leave. Really? Got, yeah, because all the newer management systems to improve bedding areas and stuff. You only run into that when you have all the food and no bedding. And then the bucks, that's when you get the long lining thing coming and They got to bed somewhere safe and then long line into the food. So if you can look on an aerial, I guess, and kind of tell like, oh, this place doesn't have the bedding. I think I'll catch them coming out of this public bedding area. But for the most part, management's improved so much out here that the bucks are living there year round, honestly.
0: Yeah. I was just curious about that. Oh,
1: no, it's all good.
0: Well, you hear, you hear like, I've heard Lee Likoski talk about how he thinks his deer almost are used to him and they like live there and they don't get shot until they're six or seven years old. And, um, like he doesn't know if they even like, if they smell him, if it really affects them. And I'm just like, man, those deer must not go anywhere other than, you know, from his bedding area to his, whatever food corn pile whatever it is yeah Um,
1: they probably don't man they just stay in there them older bucks too they really lock in an area and they shrink their core range way down yeah and they tend to daylight even more the older they get so they'll just stay on those mostly it's the the younger deer are the ones that leave and go all over the place and kind of explore and stuff
0: right yeah, and I know. Like I know, like Mark Jury's talked about. His farms actually aren't as big as what people kind of assume they are. It sounds yeah. like he has like a lot of smaller, like forty acres and eighty acres places like that. Where
1: I think that's actually better, honestly, because it's just like me finding as many bucks as I can. I get way more options. Yeah, you'll have all different deer herds instead of hunting one herd on a thousand acres. If you buy ten hundred acre properties, all different places, and you're hunting ten different deer herds. Yeah, and that's good have, point. I think you have a chance of having more big deer that way than you do if
0: you just have one big chunk. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I don't know what, what the properties are. I've just, I, I occasionally listen to the jury's uh, podcast or something and he'll yeah. mention that the acreage. I'm like, Oh, that's surprisingly not as big as I thought. Like I'm yeah. not sure if he, I'm not sure if he has anything over a hundred acres anymore.
1: Like that podcast with uh, me, you and Joe, I talked about getting on big bucks quick. I really utilize that smaller property because it only have a couple of good spots and you could fly in, scout it, fly out and keep going and just rack up the miles, just jumping in where yeah. you get in those huge chunks, man. It takes way more time and a lot more effort to try to figure out what's going on.
0: Especially um, when you're hunting out of state, like you could waste a lot of time. You could do that here in Indiana because we have such big vast pieces of public in some areas like yeah you know you could be like oh that's an awesome looking hub back there two miles and then you spend you know an <laughs> hour and a half walking back there and you get there you're like crap there's nothing yeah. here there's Or some little, jack or some jack wagon drove a four-wheeler back there and put a big ladder stand up or something you know little
1: debbie rappers
0: back there some yeah yeah there. <laughs> and the mountain dew cans or
1: yeah then you're yeah. like oh this spot's burnt i'm gone yeah, yeah. So I'd rather go to smaller properties too and just bounce in and out. But sometimes I'll get in those big properties just because you can get away from people. I'm more just hunt wherever the deer are at, like whatever I got to do.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: I would, um,
0: what is it, like 49th on the yep. s- state list of public land too? It's pretty. Yeah, it's way down there, man. Yeah. So that has to be a struggle for you as well. Yeah. what with the draw,
1: is not too bad. And most of the pressure is during the rut. And I'm not a big rut hunter. Mm-hmm. And then, got, I,
0: go ahead. You got some private now too, don't you? That you kind of picked up recently.
1: Yeah, I got some free permission, as I call it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got a bunch of that lined up. I ended up asking a farmer, um, just for permission on one farm, but he ended up owning like
0: twelve other farms or something. And he's like, "Hunt
1: them all," and I'm like, "Holy crap!" Like, yeah, uh...
0: <laughs> that's awesome. I uh, I got a new piece last year um and i was i had some cameras out there this summer and i just went and got the cards today and i was looking at him and there's like there's a guy walking around with a rifle mm. and like a shooting stick i'm like what the heck you know that's weird yeah I'm like, i better send it to the farmer because it looked like he came in off the neighbor property like didn't park there oh, like he okay. and i was like hmm and i sent it to him because oh yeah that's so and so he's shooting does for me in, on deprivation permits I'm like, oh man
1: yeah I'll I'll, get,
0: someone's lot, already hunting them
1: <laughs> lots of random dudes in there like yeah i almost it's almost worse than hunting public a lot yeah. of times in because you get, usually you get permission for a reason and everybody else gets. Permission. Yeah. True. So it's kind of, you got to watch uh, where you're at, what you're doing and stuff. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't really, really rely on the private that much. I just got it. Yeah. Well, Mission yeah. If you, a deer, yeah
0: It's just like having another spot, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I do that too, man. I, I rack up as much as I can. And like, I know I get, crap from people for hunting some private land but it's just like i don't you know i guarantee the public right now there's not some guy with a rifle walking around shooting does on it you know it's like i, I don't know if it's any better really and like a deer a deer doesn't know what's public or private no, uh,
1: if, yeah So i'm i always just say if i'm driving down the road and you see a 200 incher on private 300 yards away from public you're not going to swing in there and ask to hunt the private. Like, I'm going to uh, ask you to get in there. Like, if you got to get in that to kill that buck, that's what I'm doing, man. Like, I'm just more that whatever it takes person. Yeah. I'm going to ask. Like, at the end of the day, like I said earlier, no one really cares, man. That's, it's your hunt, your deer, your money. Like, yeah. whatever you want.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, You want to take some questions now? We've been on here for an hour. Oh, has it been an hour already? Wow. Yep. Yeah it has so if you guys have any questions we can try to get to them tonight Uh, i gotta get through the um, all the chit chat if you guys if you have a question just leave a uh, question mark in front of it Um, also i know we haven't done one of these in a while guys it just was because we were on that hunt and um, dan doesn't like to talk about the hunts until after the videos come out so We'll probably do one about the hunt after the videos come out, uh, and you guys can watch that, and then we could get everybody on here and talk about it. And then I also have some really good guests lined up over the next couple weeks, so pretty pumped about that. uh, uh, We'll be in Wisconsin hunting next week, and we'll probably do a Wisconsin deer camp, too. Um, A show, just a bunch of guys sitting around talking, which some people like those, some people don't. Um let's see here. Here, Tony had a question, need a suggestion on mosquito spray where I am off deep woods doesn't cut it. I'm currently in the stand getting eaten alive. <laughs> so what do you I do got, for I got like three things. Permethrin on all your
1: clothes, wear a hoodie, put the hood over your head, face mask up, and then uh thermocell. got to have that Thermacell. yeah
0: yeah i uh we don't october 1st usually the mosquitoes and stuff are calmed down around here but can be bad and um i think the guys from wisconsin really got their uh bug stuff dialed in because it's it can be bad up there in the swamps early season yeah. you get in the river bottoms here in iowa in october man you'll get eaten alive yeah they're uh Gary swears by like a, you know, he always has something covered in his ears and his, as much as your face as possible. Yeah. That, uh, that Osseo hoodie's is nice. Cause it has all that stuff already on there for you, you know? Yeah. For that's
1: what I wear all the time. I just pop the hood up the building. Yeah. Either the light or the mid, the mid does a little bit better. Show
0: them on there. Rendell. you got, you got that on, don't you?
1: Yeah, I do. So I can flip the face mask over. Sir, mm-hmm. your hat on. I'll just throw the hood up and then
0: face mask on real quick. Yeah,
1: yeah. I just look like a ninja. <laughs> yeah, a big giant ninja. Yeah. <laughs> but, and then I don't really, especially the midweight. The midweight will really keep them off you. Yeah, the lightweight does a good job, but the midweight's a
0: little thicker, so yeah, it does a better job of keeping them off of you. Yeah, I didn't have too bad of a problem with it during turkey season, but I was wearing it like that also. Yeah. Uh, Turkey season is usually not that bad here. It's usually. No, it's pretty cold. It's usually not, not until later in turkey season. Then it can get a little bit rough.
1: Yeah, we get snow in turkey
0: season. Some I was
1: hunting in like 20 degrees this year in turkey season. It's kinda really? Cool. Yeah. I almost had to break out my late
0: season bibs and go to turkey hunt. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, Eric Jesky's on. My, <laughs> my bearded brother. We walked into a convenience store together one time and someone thought we were like twins or something. Oh, God. Yep. That's a knock on you, Josh. <laughs> he asked, how did you get to be such a large human? <laughs> Mountain minerals.
1: <laughs> All the minerals off those West Virginia farm, man. Oh, That's funny.
0: Grandma's cooking. Uh, let's see here. John had a question. He says, I have a theory on mature doe during their cycle is that they seek out the better bucks until they are bumped by the lesser bucks. Any thoughts would help. Thanks.
1: So I have noticed on trail cameras, some does betting on primary scrapes that uh, the mature bucks are hitting the last couple of years. I've picked up on that, like almost waiting for the mature buck to show up. If, If the mature buck can't find them, it's pretty interesting. So I think that has something to do with their cycle. Like they're ready to breed. So they're laying by the primary scrape that that mature dominant bucks on just waiting for them to show up. Yep. I I found the opposite too. a mature buck. I've got them on camera, like the bully bucks, the bedding in the scrapes. Like if I run a mock scrape and then have a different urine in there, he's not familiar with, I've noticed certain characteristics. The bucks will bed in there and they kind of like, you know, if someone shows up in your living room, you know, you're yeah. gonna start waiting in your living room to see who the hell's coming in your house. So I think it's kind of the same way on the mature book too,
0: like the more dominant bully book. Do you run many a lot of marks mock scrapes or is that kind of just a here and yeah, there thing? I run a bunch
1: for inventory.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. You got like a process that you like to use or any product or
1: I uh used a, a hanging vine or a branch. Yeah uh certain woods they like better than others like in iowa they love red oak so i might run some red oak branches uh or the vines i don't use any i just piss in them myself i know some guys use some products and stuff but i don't know i don't really care about that i get plenty of success without any scent on them
0: yeah it's interesting do you just like zip tie the limbs up I use
1: paracord and tie them up. Yeah. I usually drill a hole through the branch or the vine, tie the paracord, throw it over, tie it off, or I'll have a little carabiner. I'll just clip it to the branch to hold it up. About waist height is where I like to end up. it to be, about four or five foot long vine or branch. And once you get a couple, i have fawns, hit them, does. Once you get a deer on it, man, then you got natural scent. You don't have to waste your money, you know. Yeah, there are some guys that'll introduce like right before they hunt it. they'll introduce like a different buck, you know, in an area that's synthetic or something that'll maybe pull that buck in to check it out more. They'll wait for that buck to figure him out and then kill him. But I use mostly
0: just mine for photos, so I don't really mess around with that. Right. That's interesting. That's something that's getting extremely popular is mock mock scrapes. Um, I use a decent amount of them for inventory purposes as well. You do you make new ones or do you just like freshen up uh scrapes that you've already found? Um, I'll make new
1: ones in areas that are really close to bedding. I don't put them out and like I don't want people finding them, man, because it's a good tip off. So you got to kind of yeah. watch where you put them. I put them really deep in the like between two bedding areas or just outside of a bedding area where I found like a mature buck bed. I just want that one photo to verify that he's in there, what size yeah. he is. Cause they usually hit it about once and then sometimes they'll make it a priority. And other times you just get that
0: one photo, but then I know he's there. All right. Messy hunting ask what's your next, what's next for you, Randall? What's your next goal? Um,
1: man. Yeah. I don't know. That's tough, man. Like I already made my dream. Like I'm in the industry. I get to hunt full time. I guess just have more fun, more make memories, like go on adventures that most guys can't. Like I want to go like elk hunting or go to Alaska, go hit red stacks. Now that I actually have the time where I can just hunt every day, I really want to go do stuff that like I couldn't do when I was just a blue collar guy working somewhere.
0: You got a boss that can hook you up with all them different type of hunts.
1: Yeah, I don't know. He doesn't want me killing his trophy animals, so he might not Is help
0: that, it's a It's a uh, team-building exercise. Go and kill one of Joe's big trophy animals.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, just travel, make memories, man. I mean, I would really like to get a 200 on public. That's probably, like – Your ultimate goal. The ultimate goal, drop time buck. Other than that, man – just go and whatever I think is successful, like just finding deer hunt different States, meet people. Like, I just love that kind of stuff.
0: Yep. Like October 2nd, we'll have, we'll see a picture of Rendell on uh Facebook and he'll, he'll have like this 80 inch buck that has this little drop tine on it. And he's like, yes. Hey. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm going <laughs> to Missouri or something yeah. next week. You never know. Like, I have a
0: That's right. You never know.
1: Oh, that's funny. It's got to be four points on one side, so I've got to watch. That drop time might add that extra point. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I'd hope so. I hope, I hope it has at least four points on one side if it has a drop time.
1: Yeah. Uh, it be legal in Missouri. It's got to be
0: four points on one Right, yeah. right. Uh, Devin asks, what hunt app are you guys using for wind? I use an app, and we've found it to be wrong multiple times.
1: Yeah, I've had that. It tells me it's a north wind, and I go in there and throw the milkweed. It's a south wind. But there's a lot of terrain features that can influence the wind and the spot. I use it just as a generic generalization. I use so many different hunting apps. Like Josh, <laughs> see me switching through the phone. Yeah, I use four or five apps. Uh, I really like Spartan Forge, Onyx. Even like Hunt HuntStan has that little scent cone thing that throws it out there. That's about my three that I use in some weather apps. Like, you know, you can go to like, weather bug or whatever and look i mean i'm yeah. terrifying man i don't trust anything i'm checking it as i'm yeah going.
0: i'll tell you what app sucks is my app on there's one app that i was using that really what was it called here just my weather app like i, I downloaded the weather channel app and that oh. does better than the i don't know what this weather app it was on my google pixel phone is but it is trash like, yeah, I, don't like
1: I used to have a google phone too and that thing sucks on the, the weather, yeah, the weather for it, yeah. Though.
0: Don't if you got a Google phone, oh, not
1: the weather on there,
0: down, download a different app,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: Um, there's a lot of good ones now. I mean, there's good ones, they're all inaccurate, it seems like to me. So, um, like you said, Rendell, get you a general idea, get you find the one that is most um, useful, but I don't think any of them are going to tell you exactly what the wind's no, doing right no, in your I tree stand. You started yeah. tying a
1: piece of yarn on a uh, scrapes that I make. So when it takes the photo, I look at that piece of yarn, and that'll kind of tell me what the wind's doing. Yeah.
0: Jordan says, "Are we full shafting here tonight, boys?" Man, always got to be full shafting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there we go. That's another.
0: That's another Rendalism. Full shaft. <laughs> full shaft. <laughs> yeah, a whole bundle of full shaft. <laughs> Don't even have to cut them. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, I got to cut mine down. <laughs> yeah, you, you're lucky then. You can get a little bit faster
1: arrow. Maybe some yeah. FSC that I don't care about.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's a good question for Rendell, because I know his answer. Do you like hunting mornings? Ever no, go- I do not. The <laughs> <laughs> despise it. Riddle doesn't like anything before 9 a.m. Yeah, but I don't even get going until about noon. <laughs> uh, you, you don't want many
1: mornings, do you? No, only if I got a buck uh, daylight and in the morning. I use it more for scouting, glassing, uh, stuff like that, driving around. Yeah. Messing with gear. Oh, and he said, what was the second part of that?
0: Oh, going uh,
1: well, past blind. Yeah, I do. Yeah, that. I do. That oh, yeah, mars- sorry. yeah yeah i do that all the time yeah me too sometimes it's not scouted at all i just go in there and scout my way in especially out of state that's huge out of state not scouting at all and just
0: going in yep your slugworth he has an interesting point for us if you're hunting Big buck bedding, do 50 push-ups before you crawl into your stand. Big bucks hate the scent of another uh, being's testosterone scent in their living room. I got the Booner juice, man. I don't have to do the (laughs) (laughs) push-ups. 50's
1: excessive. Man, I don't even know if I could draw my bow back after that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 33-inch draw, man. I'll be like,
0: ah. You got to push a lot more weight up than me. Yeah. Uh, I'm shooting 75 pounds. What's your go-to snack in the stand? I don't take food or
1: drinks in the stand with me ever, hardly. Honestly, I just don't. Yeah,
0: I will. uh I'll occasionally have like a. I mean, if it's hot or something, I'll bring a water with me. Yeah.
1: Oh, when but, it's hot, uh, I should have done that. There was some days where I didn't bring any
0: water. To 100 like yeah. A hundred degrees. Yeah. Yeah. I like chex mix, that kind of thing. If I'm gonna, if I'm, if I had to tell you something, I would bring to the stand. I also yeah. like to. Uh, I'll drink those five-hour energy drinks sometime to get me focused and motivated. I'm eating my frosty before I get to the stand. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Strawberry frosties, yes. Limited time, man. You gotta get you one. Good. <laughs> yeah, I I I food load like I'll drink a ton of liquids and eat a ton of food before I go hunting, just so I don't have to eat when I'm out there.
0: Yeah, you have to take a big old dump though when you're out there.
1: Yeah, sometimes you got sky dump. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, sky dump! Now we're getting, now we're getting into it. We're full shafting talking about sky dumping. Oh man. Oh, okay. Back to the deer hunting. there. Pharrell asks, "Have you noticed different wind speeds changing buck movement?" Yeah, high winds. They don't
1: like to move. They get really skittish. So high wind days. I tend to push in a lot closer too, because you can get away with noise and stuff. Uh, right when that high wind tails off to a really light wind, the deer move a ton, so I'll try to play into that advantage. And uh, wind wind shift changes, but it's got to be drastic. A drastic, I can't even say the word drastic. There we go. Drastic, yeah. My like, hillbilly no language, but like if it's gonna go from north to south then like a really quick period. Uh, I like to try to get that wind shift set up. I'll try to set up for that shift. He's got to move betting areas. Um, But talking to some guys that do some GPS uh, stuff, they move within like 10 minutes. Like you'd think they'd lay there to verify the switch, but a lot of the guys say they get right up in like 10 minutes and they make their move. So you got to be set up for that shift pretty quick.
0: All right, here. Rendell, any tips on river bottoms and floodplains? Don't hunt them. (laughs) (laughs) uh,
1: Oxbows. I like sloughs a lot that make funnel. If you got like two sloughs that are full of water and just has one little land bridge in between it. I really like that little funnel area. I noticed that the deer stick really heavy to the riverbanks. They follow parallel to the river a ton. Uh, especially in Iowa, they don't really get away from the river that much. They hug that pretty hardcore. Um, honey locust pods are huge to find that secondary food source. That's where you get a lot of your brows, too, like the duck potato, stinging nettle. They'll eat algae. And a lot of people think the deer like the really crystal clear, clean water, but man, they'll pass some clear water to go drink some nasty junk that I would mm. never get into. So I like really dirty water spots. Um, especially any spot that has big ag kind of close to the river bottom. I really look for that too, for the long lining or just a primary food source. I can kind of catch them going in between. Yep. So I just look for micro micro terrain. Like you won't see it on a topo, but you got to do more boots on the ground to find that kind of stuff.
0: Also, it depends on the river, but don't overlook like the deer just using the river to travel too. Yeah. They'll walk (laughs) right down like yeah. we were talking about it's huge
1: they'll just walk right down the river if it's hard bottom shallow. Yeah. I see that all the time. I'll actually be set up to shoot down into the river cuz that's what they're using as their main highway to travel. They can stay undetected. Open yeah. country, farmland. They can run that um really play your thermals hard on the water. The water's going to pull your thermals, especially moving water. Uh water temperature you kind of get I like the wind coming right up and down. If you get a crosswind, it'll do a lot of swirling and stuff. So you gotta kinda watch that. What else? Sometimes don't coming in by kayak or boat's a lot better than walking because the deer will be set up for the wind that's coming off the main access and they won't pay as much attention to the the waterway because they're not expecting danger to come from that way. So I like the the coming from the river just like they do. They use yep. it, I'll use that and try to get up behind them. I'll kind of hunt the morning a little bit more sometimes that way. Cause I can just come right in, get right up a tree in their bedding area while they're out feeding somewhere then coming back. So I like kind of a little mornings a little bit better in the river bottoms. I mean, there's a lot of different things you can do for the river bottoms
0: that I like. Yeah. I mean, you covered a lot of stuff there though. That's good. Good stuff. Slugworth asks when you expect the next live show to be Thursday night. We're going to have uh, Shane Simpson on. Nice. We're, we're going to, we're going to talk about, uh, tracking, uh, Shane, it's a pretty proficient deer tracker when it comes to dogs, like, uh, tracking after the shot, not tracking deer. Yeah. Um, he's probably good at that too. But anyways, he's going to get on and talk about that.
1: He's got right. that new app too, that they launched.
0: Yep. Yep. They, they launched a really cool app and we'll talk about that on the show on Thursday, but essentially it's like a, um, I describe it as like a Uber for dog trackers. So yeah. You can, if you got a, if you got a, uh, a deer that you need dog track you can get on uber and or get on his his app and you can find the nearest dog tracker and kind of order it
1: yeah that's gonna be dope
0: yep uh but i think i think it was a good it's gonna be a good show just because right before season just getting freshened up on you know what to look for when you hit a deer in a certain area and um you know types of blood and that kind of thing yeah especially a lot of guys
1: will actually track really hard on the deer and put their scent on top of the deer is when you should just
0: back out and let the dog do the work. If you're going to call it in. Uh, Devin has a pretty good question. He says, Rindel, if you have a specific spot in mind to hunt, do you use any of the apps for wind before you go into the spot, or do you have multiple winds, multiple ways to hunt a specific area? We kind of answered the first part of the question already, but, uh, I thought the second part was like, do you ever try to find, you know, different ways to hunt, uh, the same area being on winds?
1: Yeah. Access is king. So I try to do something totally different than what anybody else is doing because they're not expecting you to do that. Usually they're like looking at the access and stuff, especially out where I live at. So you got to get really creative. Sometimes you got to go way around or do some stuff you don't want to do, like go through Mm -hmm. some nasty junk, but I'll try to get, a betting area where it's set up for multiple wins. I mean, ideally you want that, but a lot of times it's just mostly one win that they're usually there on, and then you just got to kind of make it happen. It can be really tough
0: that way. Elizabeth has a question, Rendell. Do you want coordinates to 200, 228 by five with a bunch of junk? I seen him in Northwest Iowa last week sure it's 220 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. elizabeth is a uh she drives a truck for a living so she's all over the country wow. or all over the midwest if i kill it i'll let you take a picture of it. it'd
1: be awesome all right tread. that's the way to find deer though man you got to get in that tip hotline like coffee yeah shops, barbershops like mailman, UPS man. Like I'm always asking people that drive a lot, like, Hey, if you see any big deer, let me know, drop me a pen, bro.
0: <laughs> Jimbo ask, uh, uh, anyone ever take the dirt out of a scrape and take it to another property, put it in an existing scrape. I would
1: just use a synthetic spray at that point and just spray a different scent in there to let them know a different bucks in the area. I've never done that. I mean, it's interesting theory, but I think you could do that just by... I mean, piss breaks down so fast, ammonia and stuff like that. It's more like mm-hmm. the branch that holds the glands. So I think I would just introduce a different buck through glands or spray, honestly, instead of moving the dirt. I've heard people doing that, like bagging up dirt from yeah. a scrape. They used to have some... Buck dander. I don't know. It was like twenty years ago. Some company would bag up like poop and hair and dirt in a bag and sell it. (laughs) I don't know. I don't even remember it. It's from like an expo. Somebody gave me a bag. I never even used it. I think I still have it somewhere. I might have to. Oh, you know what it
0: is? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I bet that stuff's rotten. Oh, I'm sure it is. Uh, Zeke. Zeke uh, says. Now that you got time, you could go for Axis in Texas.
1: Yeah, that's more like a springtime deal or summertime. It'd be cool to shoot an Axis buck. You can go to Texas. They have some free range ones in Hawaii that you can go. Yeah. So a couple other places,
0: but that would be dope. My buddy shot one in uh, Hawaii with a longbow. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I guess the guys, the people out there, like never seen anybody shoot one with a longbow. I guess they're real cagey and. The, the the uh wild ones out there in Hawaii. Oh yeah. They got different.
1: some Mouflon sheep out there, some hybrid goats, wild turkeys. There's some cool stuff out there. My taxidermist goes and hunts out there a lot on public land. Hmm. <laughs> Eric. Have you <laughs> noticed have you noticed
0: different wind speeds while sky dumping?
1: Yeah, man. You don't want you wanna blow your Sky dump downwind. Don't want to <laughs> upwind. <laughs> Stay way through your platform. Make sure your saddle's up around your arms like that. You don't want to filter it out too much. Uh, <laughs> Send a picture to your buddy. It's just for verification.
0: Uh, <laughs> the wind was blowing this way Will they say. Yeah. 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 Uh, funny, I don't. On OnX, there's a uh, poop uh, pin. Yeah. Yeah, the Marco Polo thing. That's a, that would be I hilarious. Pin <laughs> it as poop, take a picture of it, and then send the pin to your buddy, and they think like, oh, he sent me a pin. Like, a, oh, okay. I'll have to no. do that to Gary. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Elizabeth asked, do you ever notice big bucks near wooded lots around cemeteries? Hmm.
1: I mean, I have seen some big bucks in cemetery areas because you can't really hunt them. So I think it's like a little sanctuary, yeah. Uh, especially a woodlot. It just depends. I mean, the woodlots out here, I don't know. They're not really in cemeteries, I guess, per se. They are and they're not. But I've seen them in there. I mean, I know a cemetery right now. I see a lot of deer passing through all the time. They yep. come out of main ag, especially when there's corn around. I think the woodlots hold a little bit more deer when there's corn
0: versus beans. Yep um we have a cemetery not too far from my house and there's always deer going in and out of that place seems like it's right outside of town too but wasn't there like a national cemetery that had a ghost buck in it or something
1: for the last couple years i think i don't know probably i've seen the pictures on uh facebook all the time seek one guys will probably kill it probably <laughs> <laughs> man would pretty cool to smoke one in a cemetery i guess
0: <laughs> Uh did you see that I mean, it didn't see the deer, but did you see that Lee found that giant that's supposedly going to be the world record if he kills it. Yeah, yeah, I seen that.
1: Mm. Be pretty interesting. To see what that thing ends ends up
0: scoring if he gets it. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think he was on the fence about even hunting it or not.
0: Yeah, just because I guess a lot of people were feeding it. And yeah, like people's backyard type deal, pet thing. Not not a pet. That's probably the wrong word, but like it's known in the area. Kind of like those people that kill those bears that are like known and get get a bunch of hate for it but yeah bears seem to be more sensitive to people than deer yeah i would say i think that's about right you know as far as like uh, a critter people don't want you killing yeah are sensitive to bears i mean a deer
1: that big i mean people are gonna know it pretty good it's yeah identify. yeah that's a tough one man i don't know what i would do That's probably a couple million dollar deer though. If you get the world record buck, you're just.
0: What is your, let me ask you this and it's, you can have an opinion on it. It doesn't matter. Like what's your feeling about that deer? Like, do you think it should be like, if a guy kills a deer like that, is it like the world record in your, in your, uh, book or is it like, is that kind of a weird scenario? I mean, if it's legal, it's legal, right? Yeah. Like who am
1: I to judge anybody if it's legal?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. where I'm at.
1: If it was illegal, then yeah, I would hate it. But if it legal, just
0: seems like the way Lee was was uh, worried about it. It just it just had that feeling of it's kind of like um, must be in a weird spot. Obviously, I have no idea what exactly the scenario is, but for him to be like asking his viewers what what they think about ethically, yeah, about it. So. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's
1: legal. It's legal. Like I don't know. It's a tough decision, man. Yeah, boy, I'd probably have the same thought process i don't know if i'd ask everybody about it you know
0: yeah i would probably just i don't know man it's tough i think it's uh i think it's it's interesting what those guys doing kind of cool like i would be stressed out hunting like they do man i'd get i wouldn't be able to do it like yeah. i'd be like you know going knocking on doors because my deer ran 40 yards this way and i'm like ah, you know
1: i don't like the city man i live in the country for a reason yeah I don't like- <laughs> right. I don't want to hunt around a bunch of houses, man. I'd rather be out in the middle of nowhere in a swamp or a big timber or something. Yeah. Like, yeah.
0: But it's like, if you, if, if that's what your options are, you know, if you live somewhere like that, like it is what it is, you know, it's better than not, not
1: hunting. Pretty interesting stuff. I mean, if I'm just like, whatever you want to do, man, you're your own person. If it's for it, like, yeah. Who am I to judge? Everybody's going to criticize you no matter what you do, man. I've learned that in life. Like no matter what you do, you're gonna have a hater. Either way, like I should oh, yeah. have did this. Like, I don't really care what people think about me, honestly.
0: Yeah. The internet's a hard place to exist on when you're trying to do something, you know. Um but somebody yeah. just brought up
1: hunting, Florida. <laughs> my yeah. dog started barking. <laughs> <laughs> dog, don't go down there.
0: That's what my dog thinks about Florida, right there. Oh, no, thank it? you uh have you ever shot a deer in michigan doe slayer asked that
1: man i do i'd rather just stay in the midwest than hunt michigan honestly like i'm not really a big fan of michigan honestly like i don't know it's not my first pick yeah i mean i think you could go up there and kill deer they got high deer populations they just everybody talks about not having big bucks but andy may gets it done up there all the time on some really good deer so Yep. It might be worth a shot to roll up there and see what I can do.
0: You ever thought about hunting Florida?
1: Man, I have not at all. Never crossed my mind. Maybe for pigs or gators or yeah, something. I've, hunt,
0: I've hunted in Florida. I've hunted pigs in Florida, but never uh, about hunted a freaking copperhead.
1: I've done some bass fishing down there before.
0: Yeah. But never hunted there. Yep. Me either. It's the, uh, not for deer. It's bass fishing. It's the Iowa bass fishing though, right? Yeah,
1: I mean, there's some. I've got some really big bass here. Honestly, it's not too bad. Yeah. but the yeah. south is way better. It's like flip flop. If you want to fish, go to the south, and if you want to hunt big
0: bucks, come to the yep. Midwest. Uh, Indiana kind of sucks for fishing unless you like only catching bluegill and and okay crappie fishing. That's about it, though. Yeah, and everybody calls the lakes out here lakes, but they're really just like
1: ponds. Like, yeah five like, ponds. Lake, bro? I don't think so. I'm used to like
0: <laughs> big reservoirs. Right. And... Like, like, yeah. Yeah. Tennessee uh, River Tennessee, all, right. Yeah. Right. Right. These giant, um, lakes that you guys got down there. Yeah. And they
1: got like a 50 acre pond and it's like, it's a lake.
0: And I'm yeah. like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Rendell, we've been on here for an hour and a half and we're out of questions. Yeah, man. It's cool. Thanks for getting on dude. Hey, anytime. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. I, uh, I left the links to your Instagram and your Facebook down below, um, so guys, go check Rendell out. You don't have a YouTube yet. Someone asked that. Yeah, I'm working on
1: it. Josh is trying to talk me into not getting one.
0: No, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Um. So yeah, go check out Rendell. and thanks, man. Again, everybody. Yeah. Ha- have a good night. Is there anything else you want to pitch, or is that is that cover it? No, no balls, no bucks. There you go. Peace. See you guys. Bye.